0: Hey, it's Adam from the Next Level Showcast on Next Level Radio. This is our interview with host of Paternity Court, Lauren Lake. Make sure you check out Paternity Court if you're from the Philadelphia area. It's on the CW Monday through Friday. If you're not from the Philadelphia area, you can check paternitycourt.tv for local listings. Also make sure you follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren Lake E N T. That's also her Instagram tag. You can follow the show itself on Twitter at PaternityCourt. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at NXT Level Radio, and follow our Facebook page. Make sure you go there and like it, facebook.com backslash Next Level Radio Online. Our website is nextlevelradioonline.com. You can go there for all previous shows, other interviews, and of course, the stream to our show, which airs live every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. So again, make sure you check out Lauren on Paternity Court Monday through Friday. Check your local listings. And again, we'd like to thank her for taking the time to come on the show with us. And make sure you check out our site for more interviews like this one.
1: Uh, hey, everybody. Ben Beck here with Next Level Radio, joined, as always, with my cohort in crime, Adam Gory, And we're joined by another great special guest this evening. Please welcome to the show Lauren Lake. Uh, Lauren, thank you for spending a little time with us tonight.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here.
1: Uh, Now, I know we were speaking earlier. You said you're on the East Coast right now, right?
2: Yes, I am. I'm in New Jersey as we speak. I'm in New York doing some promotions for Paternity Court.
1: Do you you live on the East Coast or do you live on the West Coast?
2: No, actually, Paternity Court is in session on the West Coast, so I'm out there now, but I live in new jersey for almost 15 years in the new york metropolitan area in new jersey
1: awesome so you're pretty local to us then too Yes. all right now uh you have a lot of uh different accolades under your name lawyer author speaker you're the co-founder of the women in entertainment empowerment network and most recently or more recently than everything else now a tv host as you said paternity court yes what made you when you were younger what made you decide that you wanted to get into practicing law you
2: know it's Funny, because when I was younger, my dream was to be a singer. I've been a singer my entire life. I was always that little girl in school that had the solo and the school play, and you know always um, you know performed and sang and loved musical theater. And I thought that would ultimately be my career path. Uh, and it wasn't until I was in college when you know my parents impressed upon me you know, how uncertain a career in music was and that, you know, as two, you know, PhD level professors, uh, they said to me, we just want you to feel like you have something to fall back on just in case your music career doesn't work out. And we want you to pursue your intellectual academic studies as far as you possibly can. What would you possibly be interested in? And I thought about medicine for a while because I just have this passion for helping and, and and empowering people. And then I thought about the law, and it was interesting because the law was a perfect, uh, really, blend of what my interests were. I had this huge interest in giving a voice to the vo- voiceless and to using my big voice. You know, people always say when I sing, oh, you have such a big voice. But I realized I also have a big voice as a lawyer, and I'm able to advocate for people who need uh, someone to speak for them. And so litigation just... It spoke to me, and and it was a passion of mine, and I enjoyed it. I practiced uh, uh, as a criminal defense attorney and as a family attorney for, gosh, it's been almost 20 years now.
1: Uh, Yeah, because that was actually going to be one of my next questions, was what type of law, when you you decided you wanted to practice law, what type of law was it that you wanted to get into? But as you said, it was criminal defense and, and family. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, well, I was a solo practitioner, and as a solo practitioner, you basically have your own practice. And... You know, you practice various laws. I've done real estate law. I've done, of course, family law, matrimonial law, criminal law. But as I began to hone in, my focus really um, centered around criminal defense work and family law. And then ultimately I became an expert on television talking about and explaining the law. And that kind of even, you know, uh, you know, even satisfied my desires and passions even further because, for television, you are talking about the law, but more importantly, talking about it in a way that empowers the average viewer to understand that the law is on their side. That it's not something to be intimidated by. Mm-hmm. That you can break down the law and understand how it can help you. And I've, I've enjoyed doing that for almost twelve years now.
1: That it's uh, like, as for example, the law isn't something that people should be afraid of.
2: No, and, and, and it's intimidating to most people. And look, you know. I have a law degree, and there are some times where i got to sit and read something three or four times, <laughs> because the law is sometimes written so complicated, and you think to yourself, well, it's written so complicated, so it must be complicated, and I'll never understand it, and if I don't understand it, it can't help me. And yet, if you take the time to understand those laws, you can then figure out how they can best serve you. And as an attorney, and especially as a television legal expert on, I've done Dr. Phil, The View, Ricky Lake. I mean, so many shows, HLN, CNN. That is a passion of mine. Is taking a legal case, taking a hot topic legal case in the news, where most people don't understand why an outcome happened, or why something occurred, or why something was penalized, and helping them to understand these are the reasons why this happened. This is how the law works, so that it could maybe empower them in a situation they may encounter in their future.
1: I mean, and like you said, like you, you've, done, you've worked with so many other people, like you said, Dr. Phil, for example, and now you're hosting uh, your own program with, uh, with Paternity Court. Uh, for those of, uh, I am. For those of our listeners that aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about uh, the show.
2: Paternity Court is a wonderful show. It's kind of a talk show in a court show hybrid. Uh, we deal with families that have issues regarding paternity, uh, dysfunction, denial, shame, lies. There is some issue in their family that revolves around paternity, and someone in our case does not know who, in fact, their biological father is. Uh, But the most important thing about paternity court is we're a place where paternity is handled respectfully and responsibly. Mm -hmm. As a lawyer, as a family lawyer for almost 30 years, I'm able to talk about the legal rights, ramifications, and responsibilities under the law as it relates to of the particular paternity issue, because ultimately our show is about giving a bigger aha moment. You know, as we've seen paternity handled thus far before paternity court, we know the aha moment is usually, are you or are you not the father? Mm -hmm. What we strive to do on paternity court is present our litigants and even our our, our audience at large with a bigger aha moment, meaning now that you know the truth, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to be better for it? How are you going to use this truth to empower yourself, your family? How are you going to use this truth to become a better mother or a better father and to help your child or this person live a healthier happier life?
0: Yeah, and I think actually you know that's what kind of separates the show from other shows is that instead of focusing more on the results and the reaction it, it kind of focuses on helping you know why you're really there for the the children.
2: Exactly. And and you, you just, you nailed it. It's about the kids. And you'll see sometimes on our show where we have a monitor with a picture of the children and we're, we're talking, you know, you, you see litigants come in the courtroom and she's saying he didn't do this and he's a deadbeat and she's saying, you know, he's saying she's a liar and she cheated. And all of these things are going on between two adults and they often lose sight of the fact that there is the a child involved that is being affected, you know, truly infected by this toxic behavior. And so that monitor is that moment when I can point to that that, that child and say, look at this innocent child. They didn't have to be here, but now they're here. You've got to make the decision to, you know, decide that you're going to love this child more than you hate each other. And it's often in those moments where these litigants look up at this child, where many of them are overcome by emotion, many of them have a change of heart, because ultimately paternity court is about children. And knowing who your father is, it's a fundamental right. You have a right to know that.
0: Exactly. And
2: no one should be able to take it away from you, no matter what their shame or their issue is.
0: You know, you mentioned you've been doing law for a while, Now, how did you actually end up going from just doing um, the law side and speaking and everything to actually getting involved with the show. You know, did you approach somebody? Did somebody approach you? Like, how did that work out?
2: Actually, the executive producer and creator of our show, David Armour, had followed my career for many years as a legal expert. Uh, He watched me on, I mean, gosh, since I used to appear on Ricky Lake, CORE TV, CNN, HLN, you know, everything that I've appeared on, Dr. Phil. And when he called me, he says, I have an idea – show called Paternity Court, because there's been an established audience for paternity, but there's also been an established audience for court. I want to blend those things. But most importantly, I want to bring a responsible, empowering angle to paternity, because it has never been done, and it's the kind of issues that are affecting so many families, and I want to talk about it responsibly, and I believe you're the perfect person for it, because your career is not just based on the law and understanding the law and being a legal expert and a family attorney, you have also uh, had a proven career in motivating, inspiring, and empowering people, uh, you know, through your work. And that's a passion of yours. And I want that component in the show. And look, I'm a straight shooter. If you've seen the show, you know I tell it like <laughs> it is. When he said words, fraternity court, I said, oh, well, uh, tell me a little more now. What are you... What are you going for here? You know, I just, you know I tell people all the time I'm running a courtroom and not a circus. I don't like all that clowning and don't you know don't make fun, don't underestimate and don't undervalue what this dysfunction uh, is 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 you know the the type of negative energy it's it's causing or bringing into a child's life. But he delivered on all of his promises, and I believe the show is so empowering. And that's why audiences are responding to it and embracing it the way that they are. The ratings have been through the roof. It has been absolutely amazing. And I'm just so thankful that audiences, they do want to see positive television.
0: Right. And you guys were just renewed for a second season not too long ago, right?
2: We did. Thank you so much. Yes, we're so proud. And we've been greenlit for a second season. So we will be empowering more families one DNA test at a time.
0: (laughs) Now... On the show, um, you know, obviously you encounter a lot of he said, she said. How do you figure out, you know, who's actually telling the truth and who's lying? I mean, that's a big part of, you know, obviously being a lawyer and and obviously, you know, uh, mediating it. So how do you go about doing that?
2: Well, what people don't know is that when the litigants come into the courtroom, I do not know their results. So, when I begin to question them, I'm really on a fact finding mission trying to figure out how in the world did you arrive at this place? How did you get yourself to a position where you have slept with four or five men unprotected and you don't know who the father of your child is? And, you know, quite frankly, I use the skills that I have, you know, developed over, you know, my two decade long law career where I study people's. Body languages, the uh, body language, the inconsistencies in their statements, whether or not they're forthcoming in terms of answering a question, whether it looks like they're being secretive or avoiding. And look, I can see a lot of times whether or not you know they're lying. And from my vantage point, I'm watching every single thing they do. But there are some liars that have even gotten past me. Women that have sat up there and said that this guy was the only person they slept with, that he's a deadbeat, they can't believe. He's not supporting the child, and he doesn't believe that this child is his, that he's ridiculous, and they lay their life on the fact that this is his child. And lo and behold, I read the results, and, and you know, I have to deliver the news that he is not the father. And then I look back at this woman, and I say, so uh, you were doing a full Academy Award-winning performance because you obviously slept with somebody else. And then that woman will look at me and say, yes, Well, and I say, well, do you know who the father is? Yes, I do. Oh, so you just wasted 30 minutes of the court's time (laughs) on a lie. So, you know, that's why they say on, you know, one of the taglines for the show is, she's the judge, but DNA is the jury. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, DNA does not lie. The biology does not lie.
1: Yeah. Now, obviously, there are a lot of challenges that come to uh, being uh, involved in a show like this, uh, as far as, like, the DNA testing and everything. Is there any one part of the show that you would say is, is probably the most difficult part about being like a mediator of a show like this
2: yes absolutely the difficult part is having to inform someone that they are not the father that someone that they wanted to be their father is not the father and also to inform them that a person that they wanted to be their child is not their child it's heartbreaking right it never gets easy it never gets easier and every time i have to do it i mean literally my heart is you know in my stomach because i just don't want to break this news, and yet every family that has come through the courtroom that has even received bad news has said that they are so happy they did it, and they're better for it because now they know the truth.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's you know ignorance is not always bliss. You know, it's good that
2: exactly. in a situation like
0: that. It's something you need to know.
1: Uh, now, this is more of like a, a side question. Obviously, as you said before, you'll get people that you encounter who come through the courtroom who uh, you know who have, have slept with you know, four or five people and they're not sure who the father is and, and they'll give you the stories and things like that about, you know, who they met and, you know, how this person is should be the father, but it's not actually the father due to the DNA. When when you go home at night after recording this show or anything, do you ever think to yourself, like, seriously, like what is wrong with some of these people?
2: You know, look, I don't even have to get home and play the D V R to ask that question. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being You know, if I'm being completely frank, which, you know, I I, I try to do. I mean, it's just my nature. There are times when the human part of me, when people walk in my courtroom and begin to tell the stories, my first instinct is to go, what in the world? (laughs) You know, and yet what I do know after 20 years of being an attorney, after, you know, helping, you know, uh, criminal defendants, families, mothers, fathers get that second chance in life, is what I do know is that everybody... Makes mistakes in life. Some people make huger mistakes than other people. But ultimately, we can all relate to that time in your life when you've just screwed everything up, where you've taken a path in life that you never planned on taking. Because, look, let's really keep it real. You're not going to tell me some girl that's standing in front of me in the courtroom was like five years old on the porch at her house playing with her Barbie dolls going, You know what I dream? <laughs> I dream. That when I was tw- when I'm 25 years old, I want to sleep with five minutes sandwich shop and not know who my child's father is. That's nobody's dream. No. So what we know is is that's the result of low self-esteem, poor decision-making, poor choices as it, you know, it, it, it relates to relationships. Mm-hmm. And all of those poor choices are rooted in some deep level of dysfunction, of denial, of regret, remorse and some type of negativity and so even though we may not have you know made mistakes so huge I believe like all the people that come into my courtroom are entitled to their day in court meaning they're entitled to that moment to say despite everything I've done I've come into court with the courage enough to admit what I've done because I need to know the truth I can't live this way anymore and that's how I look at every situation you know, even though I am the judge, I always say, I'm not here to judge your value as a human being. I will make judgment calls on your actions, but you are valuable to me. And more importantly, you're valuable to this child who's counting on you.
0: Right. And, and you know, mistakes are a part of human nature, as we see. I mean, yeah. once in a while, even we'll see, uh, like, celebrities or pro athletes, um, you know, a story will come out about them having... A love child of some sort has anyone ever actually like approached the show about trying to prove maybe that a certain celebrity or a certain athlete is their child's father?
2: we actually had an NFL player on one of the cases in paternity court where he slept with a young woman he believed that she was only after his money. she swore that he was the only person you know she you know he she had slept with and that he was denying the child and it was most certainly his child and his mother rejected uh, her. It was just, you know, a huge saga. And the guy basically was saying, you know, and the girl was saying, I didn't know he played football. And the guy was, of course, saying, How can you not know I play football? <laughs> Look, I mean, this guy was like a giant. And I say this, you know, on the episode. He's like seven feet tall. He's like 320, you know, 50 pounds. You know, and, and so it seemed a little uh, uh, untrue, I will oh, say it that way, that she could not know he played football. And yet, this man and his mother were firm. This is not... I know this isn't my child. Ultimately, it was determined. The child was not, in fact, his biological child.
0: And it was very sad. Do you remember which player it was off the top of your head?
2: No, I can't call his name. I'm so sorry. We've done 150 episodes, (laughs) uh, I can't remember his name. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, more recently, I mean, just with the whole Brandon Howard thing, I mean... What's your take on that? I mean, obviously there was that, that story that came out that apparently that claim of DNA was supposedly fake. Um, but, I mean, this kind of goes back a little further than just the past couple weeks. I mean, it, from what I've read, I mean, I guess it's been going on for a little while that it's possible that he could have been, you know, related to the Jackson family in some way.
2: I was about to say, yeah, there's an issue as to whether or not he's, you know, they say he could be Joe Jackson's child, Michael Jackson's father. They say he could be Michael Jackson's child. The problem is with the case, the way that came out of it uh, with the case was more Hollywood than it was hopeful, because you're talking about you're basing the DNA evidence on a dental device that you got at an auction. Well, where is the chain of custody for that DNA? When you're dealing with science, you've got to protect the specimen that you're testing. Right. And so, and then, you know, we find out now that there are even no names associated with the particular records, the lab reports, then we find out that the lab was bogus. You know, the whole thing was just a fraud. It was a hoax. And yet, you know, Michael Jackson is not the only celebrity that we've seen that have dealt with paternity issues. Earlier this year, Simon Cowell had a huge paternity issue. Yeah, I remember Um, that one,
1: too.
2: Yeah, Mia Farrow hinted that her son may not, in fact, be Woody Allen's son, but could be Frank Sinatra's son. The Kardashians... You know, um, you remember the young man that came out claiming that he was Courtney uh, Kardashian's oldest son's father, and they had to have a paternity test to determine that, in fact, her current boyfriend was the father. So I always say paternity issues cross socioeconomic boundaries. They cross racial boundaries. They are things that people in America are dealing with, and they're not the dirty little secret that people pretend them pretend that they are.
1: Putting the, the, the show aside and, and you being a judge and a lawyer um, aside, you're also an accomplished musician. As you had mentioned earlier, you grew up wanting to, uh, to to pursue that career before you went into law. You've sung background for Jay-Z, for Mary J. Blige, for P. Diddy. Uh, what kind of an experience was that, actually, being able to, to do what you had originally wanted to do, even if it was just a taste of it?
2: Singing has always been my passion. And, you know, I was blessed and lucky enough that my career took me to a place where I was able to sing with some amazing multi-platinum artists. And it was, you know, I learned so much from those artists, not just about music, but about what it means to really take that risk in life and pursue and to live your dream. It was an invaluable experience, Um, and I'm so thankful that I, you know, I had the opportunity to do that. Uh, You know, it doesn't compare in any way to fraternity court. I always say this is my dream job because this uh, this is a job that can, you know, affect so many people, so many families, so many children. Yeah. Um, and I would never, you know, I, if I had to choose, I would of course choose this. But I love music dearly and is most certainly a passion of mine.
0: Do you still uh, do you still sing at all?
2: Oh yeah, all the time. But I just don't get to perform professionally as much because I'm sitting as judge of Fraternity Court. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm singing a lot more in the shower now, guys. Well, I
1: think we all do that. Just not everybody yeah. wants to be heard. Musical episode of Fraternity Court.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we're not going to do any musical
1: episodes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're involved in so much. Uh, you're doing Fraternity Court. You're a public speaker, and now you've you've got a published book, and – uh, between everything that you do, how, how do you find time to manage your time with everything that you do between uh, all your projects and spending time with your family?
2: Well, I always say you can do everything you want to do in life. You may not just be able to do it at the same time. And you know, as I talk to people you know, in my courtroom about balance, about finding out what they're passionate about and learning how to weave it into their life, I, too, practice what I preach, meaning I often have to figure out how to balance my priorities. I love what I do for work, and yet I have a family, I have a son, and I have to figure out how to spend time with my husband, with my son, but also spend the time empowering the families that I'm so passionate about, you know, helping them, you know, reach their their the next level of living. And so it's a constant battle. There's some days when I have to look in the mirror and just say, you know what? you need to slow down yeah. or those days when i stay way too long at the office and i miss bath time with my son and i feel really bad about it and i say you know what you got to get up tomorrow and you got to do better so it's a constant gamble uh, a constant balancing act and and you know in in essence you're gambling on yourself on your 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 intuition and your instincts that you'll get it right and you know that's that's the thing you want to in life get to a place where you know your intentions are in the right place and you can bet on yourself and just say, I may get it wrong sometimes, but ultimately my heart is in the right place and I'm going to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. All right, well, I mean, we're coming to the end of the interview. Uh, But before we let you go, what we like to do is we we usually end all of our interviews with a couple uh, couple rapid-fire questions. Adam's going to shoot a couple questions at you. Answer with the first thing that pops to your head. You don't really have to go into too much detail about anything.
2: Great. Thank you.
1: Okay, first one up, who
0: is the person who's had the biggest influence in your life? My mother. Who is your favorite person to follow on Twitter?
2: Uh, my husband.
0: <laughs> and in case uh, you want to follow Lauren on Twitter, it's at E N T. and the show is at yep. B- court. What's your favorite thing to do on a nice day?
2: Uh, to slide down the slide and go to the park with my son.
0: That's a okay. good answer. Yeah, that, that is a great answer. Uh, the greatest advice you've ever received?
2: Be authentic.
0: And last one, what's your favorite junk food?
2: Oh, mmm. <laughs> cake. There's a lot
0: to choose from. Cake?
2: I know. I have so many. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love cake. I'm a sweet freak. Choc- I love Chocolate cake. or
0: vanilla cake?
2: I like uh, vanilla cake with chocolate icing.
0: Mm, that's a good combo. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: All right, well, uh, Lauren, we want to thank you for spending some time with us tonight. Uh, we appreciate thank you calling Thank
2: you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, we
1: appreciate you calling in. Uh, as Adam said, you can follow Lauren on both Twitter and Instagram uh, Lauren, at Lauren Lake ENT. You can follow the, uh, the show on, uh, at Paternity Court on Twitter. Uh, we encourage you to follow us at NXT Level Radio and check out our website, online. Lauren, once again, thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Uh, As always, we wish you uh, the best, and thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope to talk to you again soon in the future. Bye-bye, guys.